0: Earlier
1: this year, my four-year-old high-end refrigerator stopped working. A technician came out, told us it was the compressor, and the warranty, guess what, had just expired. So while we waited for a part and time for the tech to fit us into his schedule, we kept some of our food cold for three weeks in our 50-year-old refrigerator in the garage. And it was then that I knew for a fact that electronics are built with death dates. My belief was backed up by an article in the Washington Post. So I quickly reached out to the Post's technology columnist, Jeffrey A. Fowler out of San Francisco. And you will find his work as part of the We the Users series from the Help Desk, the Post's personal technology destination. Good morning jeffrey thanks for joining me on lincoln live good morning thanks for having me you heard my story of woe how did you get introduced enough with enough interest to write a couple of articles about it
2: yeah well um a couple of years ago i got these nifty new headphones called airpods Mm -hmm. Uh, these are made by apple and they're actually pretty cool you just pop them in your ears and there's no cable or anything and i thought these are great these are and they turned out to be apple's most popular, most successful new product in years. Then after about two years passed, I started noticing that I could wear them for maybe 30 minutes or less. And then I would start hearing this little sound in them to indicate that the battery was dead. And then every day I wore them some more, the battery kept getting closer and closer to hearing that sound. So I went to the Apple store and I said, Hey, it uh, looks like the battery in my AirPods is uh, no good. Can you fix it? And can you replace the battery? And the store said, no, we can't replace the battery in these, but we'll sell you some new ones. And that made me think, wait a minute, hold on a second. These things are just two years old. How could, we, um, how could they be designed so that this battery, which is gonna die eventually, we all know that, can't even be popped out and plop in a new one. Uh, So I started investigating and it turns out there's a dirty little secret built into uh, most of the gadgets that we buy these days, at least the ones that are designed to be mobile and even some that are not. They all have these lithium batteries in them, which means that we can recharge them, which is great. But it also means that they are built with death dates. That means there's going to come a point when that lithium battery is not going to work anymore. And the question is... What are you supposed to do then? Many of these companies have designed them in ways so that they're sealed inside. You can't get to these batteries, um, even if you are sort of a skilled technician, uh, because they want you to just throw them away and buy a new one. Uh, Environmentalists sometimes call this planned obsolescence. Mm Mm-hmm.
1: And you talk about the Gadget Graveyard. I really encourage you to go to Jeffrey's articles. You'll find them on the Washington Post, just We the Users. It's a series that will be very relatable to anybody with with electronics. At least on in my tale of woe, the compressor was replaceable on this expensive fridge, but it still got to me and my wife that we put all of this money Way more than we wanted to spend on a refrigerator, and it lasted less than four years, and I've got this clunker in the garage, as I mentioned, that's 50-plus years old, and that just whirls away and keeps things cold. It, 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 did, you, did you find that, that this brought out an emotion
2: from people as they read your oh. articles? oh very much so i've heard from so many people so what i did sort of as the core investigative journalism element of this piece was i looked at the desk in front of me and i made a giant pile of all the devices that i have and i tried to figure out when each of them is going to die I called it my gadget graveyard, as Uh you mentioned. So to do this, um, I needed to know one key fact about each device. So how many times can the battery that's inside of it be recharged from zero to 100? This is a knowable thing. Every company plans this when they make a device, whether it be a phone, headphones, thermostat, electric car, you name it. They all plan around this, but very few of these companies wanna tell you. I found only a couple actually disclosed this recharge cycle count um, to their customers on their their websites or in their product documentation. And even when I went to them calling from the Washington Post saying, hey, tell me how many recharges can this thing take? A lot of them just gave me, you know, word salad in response. (laughs) and wouldn't tell me the number also wouldn't tell me what is going to happen to this device when the battery does die i mean think of the batteries this way would you buy a car where the wheels the tires are sealed in so that you couldn't replace the tire if and when they they necessarily are going to wear out would you buy a printer that had ink built into it and when the ink ran out you had to throw away the printer We wouldn't do any of this. And yet somehow this electronics industry, which is home to the world's largest corporations. I mean, Apple is like the most wealthy corporation in the history of humanity. They've convinced us to do this. And I think it really all goes back to, if I were to sort of like find kind of an original sin moment for the gadget industry, I think it's the iPod. Now, I know I'm getting a little old school here, but maybe some of the listeners today are old school. But this thing came out in the early 2000s. And at that time, we had other portable personal electronics. We had things like the Walkman. We even had cell phones, remember the big Nokia ones? Mm -hmm. Now, the Walkman and the cell phones, they all had a little hatch on the back of them. You could pop it open, get the battery out, stick in a new one. You, maybe, you had to, maybe you carried a couple extra batteries with you because you knew you would burn through it a lot during the day. But then when the iPod came along, Apple said, hmm, we can make this thing look much more sexy if we don't put a hatch on the back. And so they didn't, it was totally sealed inside. And then after about 18 months or so, people started noticing, hey, My iPod can't hold a charge anymore. And it was extremely expensive and cumbersome to try to replace the battery inside. Unfortunately, when that happened, we sent the wrong, we the consumers sent the wrong message to Apple and to the rest of the, of the electronics industry, because instead of revolting and saying, Hey, this is no good. We just kept buying more iPods. I I'm guilty too. I burned through three of them. I still have one that I keep in the drawer right next to my desk. I don't know why, but it's still there. And, uh, and the electronics industry saw this and was like, oh, wait a minute, this is a great idea. If we, um, can, if we build, seal these batteries inside, people will keep replacing these things and then we can make more profit. We get people in a faster replacement cycle and that is great for them, but it is terrible for us. It's terrible for our wallets. It's terrible for, um, it's annoying. The other thing that it's terrible for is the environment. A thing that we don't talk nearly enough about, uh, because most of the environmental damage that comes from our obsession with gadgets and um, gizmos uh, is done by simply making new ones you know over the lifespan of a, of a cell phone, for example it 's not going to use very much electricity however it 's going to put hundreds and hundreds of pounds of carbon into our atmosphere every time it's made, every time you make a new one. So the problem that we have is that we're doing damage every time we upgrade, every time we buy a new one. And yet the whole industry has us hooked on this cycle of replacing stuff once every two or three years. Jeffrey, Americans are
1: so innovative. I am surprised and maybe you can enlighten me that Someone hasn't done a DIY. Someone hasn't popped open this thing and and made it work and put something out there that's off the market to counter this.
2: Yeah, you're right. Americans are innovative. And I think part of the problem here is that we haven't figured out a way to make technology companies compete on this particular problem. Um, So I'll I'll get to that. uh, ideas for that in a second. But yes, there are some creative sources. So uh, there is a small company, uh, if we think about the AirPods in particular, like I was talking about earlier, there's a small company based in Florida that if you send them your old AirPods, they will send you a, a refurbished pair. So they figured out how to open these things up. Now, it looks, I mean, they showed me some videos of this process. It looks terrifying. It looks like brain surgery because these batteries are sealed inside with so much glue. And it's such a pain in the butt that even Apple doesn't want to do it. But this small company will figure this out. There is also a community of tinkerers. I mean, what's more American than tinkering with the stuff that you own? Right. And so there are communities with names like iFixit, where people get together and they uh, share instructions and ideas for how to open these things up. But you know what? They've been held back. Uh, This community of tinkerers has been held back by a couple of things. These giant corporations that make these devices don't want us tinkering, right? They want to control the whole life of the product. So what they do is they make it really hard to open them up. They'll even claim that when you do that, you're voiding the warranty or that you're somehow violating their copyright on the product and they won't sell replacement parts. And so this has led to a movement in the United States and in Europe called the right to repair. Um, And this is the idea that, hey, if you buy something and you own it, you should have the right to open it up, repair it, or take it to a mom and pop shop to get it repaired and get replacement parts. And the good news is that movement had just uh, sort of scored its biggest win in the United States, the state of New York, Uh, the legislature there passed a law that would give us the right to repair. It's still waiting um, to be signed by its governor, uh, by New York's governor. But if she does, then it's pretty much going to become the law of the land in the US, and we're going to be in a much better situation. But I think where we need to get with this is companies need to start competing with each other on how to make make devices that can most be repaired. I mean, right now, when you're sort of shopping for things, you know, they tout all sorts of things. They tout, oh, this gadget, you know, is the slimmest, or this one is the shiniest, or has the most memory or whatnot. Let us see which one is best designed to live a long time. And there are some really good ideas, actually, how we could do that. One of them comes from France. So a year ago, France passed a law that says, every time a gadget is sold in a store, like the french equivalent of a best buy it has to have a little label on it and this label is a score for how repairable it is it's from zero to ten i've seen lots of photos and video of these it's amazing it's almost as big as the price is and you can know if you're looking at two things side by side can't choose which one you might choose the one that you know is going to be more repairable and last longer that's that's the kind of market-based solution I think we need in the US. Let's just force these companies to start competing on these on these issues.
1: Jeffrey, I want one more answer before I run out of time here, which isn't uh, very far off. Is there a company in the United States, a, a product that people can buy here that's more of a leader in that direction than
2: the others? Yeah, that's a good question. So. Um, uh, Let's take laptops for a moment. So it's sort of category by category. Okay. Um, in the world of laptops, uh, there's a laptop called the Framework, which is pretty cool. And it is a Windows laptop, but it's as light and thin as one of those MacBook Airs. And this thing is totally, totally serviceable by yourself. You just have to have one screwdriver and you can pop open the thing. You can pop out the battery, pop in a new one. You can even pop out the the CPU and upgrade it to a new one instead of having to buy a whole new laptop. I think that is incredible. And that kind of modularity ought to be kind of where everything's headed um in uh, i will give some credit to apple i've been beating up on their airpods a little bit here uh, they have learned the lesson a little bit on some other products so the iphone and the mac um, It used to be that replacing the battery was very difficult and cumbersome but now it is easier for a professional to do so you can um uh, you can uh, take it to apple your iphone to apple and they'll replace the battery for 69 dollars Everybody should do this instead of buying a new one or just sticking their old one in a drawer um, because it is totally worth doing. So that's a good thing. Um, the other example I would think of as a leader in this space is a company like GoPro. So they make those tiny little action cameras mm-hmm. that you see with surfers or you know, adventure cyclists or whatnot. These things um, you know, do what so many others in the electronics industry might, might make you think is impossible, they are waterproof means you can go swimming with them, but they also have a little hatch on the back. You Pop it open, out comes the rechargeable battery. You can stick in a new one anytime you want, seal it back up, you're good to go. More devices should be built like that.
1: How, what is the best way for listeners to become readers of your articles on this subject?
2: Uh, so uh, I publish regularly in the Washington Post, and we've got a whole team of folks uh, who, like me, are really jazzed up by trying to make uh, consumer electronics and the internet work better for us. And we publish our stories in the technology section of the post and also uh, a, a section we called Help Desk, where mm-hmm. we are constantly trying to sort of uh, advocate for consumers and also answer people's questions. So if you've got uh, some, some tech uh, challenges that you think others might face as well, um, email us at yourhelpdesk@washpost.com at washpost.com and maybe we'll try to answer it.
1: The articles that got my attention came from August 2nd, focusing on irreplaceable batteries written by Jeffrey A. Fowler, technician columnist for The Post. Jeffrey, thank you very much for your time. You bet. Thanks, everybody, for being here on Lincoln Live.